that off. All right, now we have this. Okay, good. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, that just is kind of a bummer when that kind of a thing happens, but uh, that's okay. There are other things that the devil puts in our way so that we don't get to hear the Word of God, like electronics sometimes don't work out right. Sometimes uh, he gives me a cough where I can't really talk because the allergies have been in my lungs, and so I'll start coughing. Um, don't worry, I'm going to preach through that, and I'm sorry for you guys that you have to see that. Um, today, we have some exciting things. Uh, of course, like every Sunday, when we gather together in the house of the Lord. Um, oh, hey, here's a picture up here that I just drew on paint again. I get pretty excited about our new church. Um, so th this doesn't necessarily mean exactly what it's going to look like. But um, today, if you drive by after church, our new church site, you'll see there are rafters up there. So it looks like a building. And uh, feel free to pull in and hop out and go and hang out in our new church. I mean, it is a building that you can go in and, and hang out in. There's probably screws and things, so be careful. Uh, don't get your, yourself hurt. But uh, that brings to my attention one more thing. Um, today, this morning, I was informed that we now have a matching challenge to our building fund. Our building fund has been has been a good, you know, but uh, now that we have a building put up, you know, we are at 2000 actually uh, 251,000 now. Um, but sometimes when you see a building put up and you're like, okay, we're there, but we're not there yet. Uh, so we have a matching challenge of $10,000, $10,000. So if you guys could provide $10,000, then that will be matched and then we'll have $20,000 and then we'll see our new church get uh, finished. So be excited about that. I'm excited about that. Um, praise God that he wants to grow through the community of Colony. And um, uh, let's just move forward uh, with this plan. Uh, today, uh, we're going to talk about my favorite subject in the whole job of being a pastor. And that is baptism. This is my favorite thing to talk about. This is my favorite scripture to read from in the Bible, and so I'm pretty pumped about that. Um, let's pray before we begin and before we open the Word of God. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for a place where we could gather together and worship you. We thank you for your Word being put down on paper in a book that we could read so that we could live our lives uh, in accordance to your will. Lord, we ask for your strength to do that, to apply this word. Uh, Lord, and, uh, lead us and open our hearts as we receive it today. In Jesus' name, amen. So in our scriptures, there are two baptisms in the New Testament that include water. Two water baptisms. Today I want to talk about those two baptisms. And what they are is uh, essentially one baptism is before Christ's death and resurrection. And one baptism is after Jesus uh, died and was rose again. And they are the same, the same baptism, but there, there's, there's a, a little bit of a difference between these two. So we're going to research those. Um, but I do believe that both of these kinds of baptisms are to prepare us. To prepare us for something. And that's what we're going to look at. Now before, I want to take you back to the 1760s in early colonial America. 1760, colonial America. Back then, the young'uns, they were taught to mind 
their parents. They were taught to work hard, to do the chores, and to use their father's flintlock rifle. The early Americans, they were survivors. They had to be. They didn't know an easy life. There was always something else to do. And the young ones, they were involved in it. Milking the cattle, feeding the chickens, cutting wood to stay warm, hunting for food. Now the younger kids at that time didn't necessarily have to work a job or didn't necessarily have to use a rifle to hunt for food or to defend their families. But when they were a little older and the time came, they were ready. Working hard was not foreign to them. Firing a rifle and following orders was second nature. So in 1775, when Paul Revere came a-shouting, the British are coming, America was ready. Its military ranks were filled with men who had followed the example that their parents had shown them. And I believe that these years of formative training as are one of the reasons that the colonists of America won that first battle of the Revolutionary War and went on to win the war in the end. Now preparing the youngins for what they might encounter in the future works quite well. Jesus used this same tactic with his followers. One of the first things that we read about in the Gospels is of of John the Baptist. And his name alone, what we call him, John the Baptist, uh, tells us his occupation. Now, not that he was getting paid for baptizing people, quite the opposite, actually. He loses his worldly life for boldly preparing the way for Jesus. But rest assured, he has gained his life in the kingdom of heaven. So, John the Baptist. Here comes John the Baptist in the early ministry of Jesus. Matthew chapter 3 verse 2 says that he was preaching, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. He's preparing the people for the Lord's coming. He says, make way for the Lord. Get out the way for the Lord is coming. And people are like, what? Get out of the way for who? And then he told them, John said, John said, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater than I am, that I am not even worthy to be his slave and carry his sandals. Now, a lot of people listen to John. 
They confessed their sins and he baptized them in the Jordan River. Now, of course, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they, they surely had objections. And I really like how John the Baptist handles them. We see a lot about the Pharisees and the Sadducees and in the scripture and they come and they throw a fit and they say a bunch of words uh, when the disciples are there, when, when Jesus is preaching. I really like how John the Baptist hand, <coughs> handles the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You can tell what kind of a man John the Baptist is. Verse uh, 7 and 8 of Matthew chapter 3, it says, But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptize, he denounced them. You brood of snakes, he exclaimed. Who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. He gets them right off the bat. Doesn't give them a chance to speak, it would appear. You know, John is not condemning them, though. It would seem that way. Brood of snakes, he says. But this is John's way. He's not condemning them. He's exhorting them. He is motivating them to change. He wants something to happen. And so he says what he says to them to get them to change their ways. Prove it, he says. Now I wonder, I wonder if there was just maybe one Pharisee or Sadducee that walked up to John the Baptist and said, how do I start? What do I do to begin? What is the first step that I take in proving it by how I live? John, of course we know what he does. Baptism. Baptism, that's it. There's the first step. You see, John was preparing the people for when Jesus came by baptizing them as a sign of repentance. I love the narrative. Uh, here John is, and the scripture says he was, he was baptizing people in the Jordan River, <clears throat> and a lot of people were there. So here John is, and, and he's got a line of people, and he's out there in the middle of the Jordan River baptizing them. Uh, by uh, by the word of the Lord for repentance, uh, and, and, and he's got a fella maybe, and he's dunking them under the water. Baptism is is talking of immersion, and so th they're practicing the immersion under the the Jordan River most likely. And, they, and he's asked them to confess their sins. Okay, first step: uh, confess your sins. And John says, now I baptize you because someone is coming who is greater than I am. And at that point, maybe, maybe John looked up. And that someone greater, John laid his eyes upon. And I don't know, maybe John drops the person that he was baptized. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. How amazing must it have been for John to be baptizing them telling them about someone greater who will be coming and I'm preparing the way for him and all of a sudden there he is and John knows instantly who Jesus is as he walks up it, scripture doesn't tell us that he noticed by the the kind of hair he had or or anything else just instantly John knew behold the lamb 
of God. John chapter 1, verse 29. The Lamb of God, look, there He is. He takes away the sin of the world. He is the one I was talking about when I said, A man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. I bet every every person that John baptized after that while Jesus was there, he said, hey, you know, the guy that I was preparing for, for you for, here he is. He's here now. He's here, but I'm, I'm still evidently doing this. It's Jesus, and do you know what he has come here for? Do you know what Jesus came to John <coughs> for right there as he's baptizing people? I mean, here, here comes, oh, maybe the big boss, if we, if we could say Jesus is the, the big, big kahuna, right? He's, he's the guy who who uh, well gives us salvation? He, he he we were created through Jesus, and here he comes comes up to John, and John was put on earth to prepare for Jesus. So what will Jesus say to John? Verse thirteen of Matthew chapter three. Here's what he came for: to be baptized by John. Baptized by John, and then. And then John tried to talk him out of it. Hey, Jesus, I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? And Jesus said, it should be done. For we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. What does that mean? We must carry out... All that God requires. It says that it should be done. Jesus says it should be done. But what is all that God requires? Jesus wishes to obey the moral demands of God's will. This is what his life on earth is for to carry out God's commands. And he wants us to do that as well, to carry out all that God requires. Or another translation says, to fulfill all righteousness. It means to complete everything that forms part of a relationship of obedience to God. One of the commentaries I read says, in so doing, Jesus identifies with and endorses John the Baptist's ministry as divinely ordained, and his message as one to be heard and obeyed. In other words, Jesus is saying, John, you're doing a good job. I approve of what you're doing. Keep it up. At this point in the ministry of Jesus, lots of people have been baptized by John, including Jesus and Jesus says, John, let's do it right now. And if you've wondered, if you've ever wondered, why do we get baptized? Well, this is enough reason right here that Jesus came directly to John while he was baptizing folks. And Jesus told John that it was good. He said, it should be done. 
So that alone should be enough reason for us to want to get baptized. Now here's, here's two reasons right off the bat of to be baptized. Number one, to show that you have a heart of repentance. John baptized a baptism of repentance to get ready for Jesus. And through Jesus, we will see that it's a baptism of repentance. The idea of, of there's confession and turning from your sin, from your old way. I think of, a, you know, I've been working on a fence for a long time. I think of, it, of, of an electric fence, and uh, when an animal comes up to the electric fence, the idea is, if everything's working right, they touch the fence and they go back and turn the other way. This is how repentance should work. We come up and realize, oh, sin isn't going to work. My own selfish ways is going to hurt. And if I go through with it, I'll be outside of where the good is. And so we turn and go the other way of our sin. And hopefully don't come back to it. We do sometimes. Repentance, confessing our sin and turning from it. Turning away from it. So to show that you have a heart of repentance. And another reason is because Jesus said it should be done and then did it himself. We as parents... Uh, we try to do what we want our kids to do, and that doesn't always happen, right? Sometimes we do things that don't, don't do what mom or dad did. But Jesus here is the perfect parent, like to us, God's children, and so we can do what he tells us to do. And Jesus said it should be done, and then he did it himself. That should be enough for us. Now take note at, th at this point, uh, baptism is to be an outward act of repentance for everyone who did it, for everyone except for Jesus. Uh, he had nothing to repent of because he was without sin. But up to this point when John was baptizing folks and before Jesus had, had been crucified and raised again, it was an outward act of repentance. It was a cleansing to prepare them for complete removal or remission, to prepare them for that. In the Greek, it is to release or pardon, uh, give freedom from sin in the future. John's repentance required confession of sins, and John was always pointing to the Messiah preparing the people for a complete removal of sin that would come after Jesus went to the cross and after he was defeated by death and then the resurrection defeated death once and for all. Let me take that back. Jesus wasn't defeated by death after he died and then he defeated death by the resurrection. What John did was a pre-cross baptism to prepare them for what was coming after the cross. Now, we can't have a 
pre-cross baptism anymore. John's style of baptism, which was very good and perfect and exactly what was needed at that point to prepare people for Jesus, we don't have that anymore because today's baptism is different in a powerfully great way that Jesus has already done what it takes. Pre-cross baptism was preparation, and today we have the resurrected Jesus that lives And that baptism still stands to prepare us for some things. To prepare us. Like to live a life following Jesus. This is one of the ways that baptism prepares us for. It's meaningful. It's a big deal. It's a decision. And God doesn't take it lightly. We wish to obey his word. To do the example that Jesus lays out, God does not take that lightly. Baptism is to take a step to live following Jesus and to look forward to heaven. Let's not forget that part. Baptism reminds us where we are going. We were once dead, Scripture says, because of sin, Just like Jesus was once dead because of the cross, and then he was raised back to life again. The glorious resurrection. And we share that as well because of what Jesus did, that we are going to be raised from the dead someday. Death does not hold on us anymore if our faith is in Jesus. It reminds us where we are going. And the destination is not in the ground forever we are coming out of this environment you know this world's environment sometimes is good and sometimes uh there are fun things to do uh things that we enjoy but we cannot stay in this environment forever because we can't survive in this environment forever it's just not made that way You know, I think of baptism, the environment that we go into when we are baptized under the water, you can't survive under the water forever uh, without any scuba gear or something like that or snorkel. You can't survive underwater for probably more than five minutes. And baptism is not just that that being put into an environment where you can't survive like Jesus when he was... uh, when he died on the cross, but it's the coming back out of the water, pulling out of that environment. Folks, someday, someday, and I don't know when it is for you or me, and maybe Jesus will come back before before our time here is on up, but someday we will be (coughs) pulled from this environment that we cannot survive forever in, and we will be placed in an environment where we live forever. And glory to God that that place can be a perfect place. A a place where there will be no tears and no death and no destruction. That we are coming out of this. We can be alive just as Jesus is alive because of the resurrection. We can be alive. We can be alive here in this world because we know where we are going if we put our faith in Jesus. And a lot of folks don't live like they are 
actually alive. Some people live like, well, there's only a limited amount of time on this earth. And they live more like they're dying. They don't care about the future that is eternal. They only care about the future that is finite, that is going to end for them here on earth. So there is a difference in the kind of baptism that is about to take place today. The repentance part is is still necessary, but with a post-cross baptism, the sin that you are repenting of has been paid for. It's already been paid for. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says, Baptism means you have been set free because of what Christ has done. John's baptism, it was great. Repent of your sin because someone is going to come and set you free from it. From it. But now our baptism is greater. Repent of your sin because Jesus has come and set you free. And God, God's word tells us to rejoice about this, to celebrate when we have made the decision to put our faith in Christ Jesus. Now, our baptism isn't just a celebration of what Jesus has already done. It's us declaring it before others that we have accepted the glorious gift. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. An open declaration, declaring in front of folks. It's to say to God, I am yours. And it's to say to others, I'm on God's side because I think it's the only place to be. And it's to say to the devil, you no longer have a hold on me. My brothers and sisters, we should take preparing our young ones for life seriously. We don't want our kids to go out into the world without hope. We don't want them to have a bad day at school or bad day at work and then come home and think there's no way to get out from under the mistakes that I've made. Now, all of us here, here at Colony Christian Church that are involved in a youth ministry, we teach God's word because it prepares them for life. And someday, someday they're going to be out in the world and us parents, us Sunday school teachers and and us who are, are pastors, we're not always going to be there. We won't always be with our, our children. But God will. And we want that hope of heaven that God provides to be on our kids' hearts. And that's why we train them up. That's why we teach them God's word. We encourage them boldly to make a decision 
to follow Christ than to openly declare that Jesus is Lord. Training our youth, preparing them for what they will encounter is important. Our Wednesday Wednesday um, night youth group, we do all sorts of things, some fun things, some hard things. Maybe you tried to go through the parking lot today and notice there's like a, a, a petting zoo type of a thing set up out here, boards. Um, somebody says, y'all got a petting zoo going on? No. What that is is a, a gaga ball pit. And I don't know what gaga means. It sounds like something a baby would say, but... Um, it's actually a game, and we built this a long time ago. And so the Rebel girls were gone last Wednesday, so we didn't have to play volleyball. So we put our gaga ball pit up, and uh, we played gaga ball, and it was great, and then I didn't have enough time to get it taken down. So sorry that that's right in the way. Uh, someday, soon, we'll have a place at the church that at our new church that's big enough. We can just leave that up all the time. And we do things like that. We, we, we play games, and then we, we focus on the Word of God because it is so important to raising our kids up, to teach them what a life filled with hope in the Lord is because they're going to encounter a lot of things that we don't want them to encounter. We probably remember that when we were young. They're going to run across us, and they need to know how to deal with it. God will be there with them. They need to know that. This, this water right back here, it means you're done with all the shame and the guilt that the devil throws at you. You wash your hands of it. You ever heard that phrase? I remember uh, Pilate. You remember reading about him? And... Jesus is coming up uh, to be, right, right before he was sentenced to be crucified, he, he told the crowd, um, he said, hey, I can release this innocent man, Jesus, if you want. And the crowd said, no, no, we want Barabbas. They didn't want Jesus. And you know what Pilate did? He called for a bowl of water, and he washed his hands of the situation as if that would make him innocent. And then he went ahead and gave them Barabbas and crucified Jesus. Because it was God's plan, though, it's okay. This water right here, we don't just wash our hands of sin. We wash our whole bodies and our whole souls of sin because Jesus tells this tells us that it's what should be done. It's not just a simple phrase or a saying that we can lightly toss around without having a relationship with Jesus. Jesus, he was immersed in death, but he was already clean. And he was always God's son. So he came up out of death and none of it stuck to him. God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life for death could not keep its hold on Jesus. When folks came to John the Baptist, they asked him, what should we do? 
And he said, Repent of your sins, turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Be baptized and prove your repentance by the way you live. Now, a few years later, after Jesus' death and resurrection, (coughs) Peter is preaching the same thing that John was. The only thing different was that Peter had seen with his own eyes what John was preparing them for. Acts chapter 2, verse 37 and 38, Peter's words pierced their heart. And they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? It's the same thing that they asked John. What should we do? And Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. You remember when Jesus was baptized? Now, we didn't read the the whole script of Jesus' baptism. So let me read to you Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. The Holy Spirit coming to Jesus right after baptism. And again, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, oh, they knew each other well. They didn't need to have this kind of a reunion. But it means something. It means something to us. Our baptism, our baptism is a symbol of us being washed and cleansed and coming up out of the water. And our baptism is a symbol that the Holy Spirit is here to live with us. The Holy Spirit. Perhaps the biggest part of the preparation that we get from baptism is the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus, after he was baptized, he ascended back to heaven a while after his resurrection, but he didn't leave us here to do battle on our own. He gave us the Holy Spirit to prepare us for this battle, this battle that a Christian embarks on when they put their faith in him to empower us the holy spirit is to empower us as his church is how god lives through us now we practice baptism because jesus did it and because he tells us to do it and because what a marvelous way to express that we have decided to follow Jesus. All my sin has been washed clean. All the mistakes that I could ever make have been paid for. And I am free because of the cleansing blood of Jesus. And now we have the Holy Spirit to give us the power to live a life filled with hope because of salvation through Jesus our Lord. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 through 4. We get this this scripture that tells us about the glories of baptism. Have you forgotten 
that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. New lives. Hey, if you've been baptized into Christ Jesus, you were baptized into his death. And you were therefore buried with him through baptism in death in order that just as Christ raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, you may too live a new life. If you were baptized a long time ago, or maybe last year, let me encourage you with the words from one more scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. Today, we're going to have some declaration before witnesses. And if you're here today, and if you put your faith in Jesus, if you've been baptized as an act of obedience, then let this verse remind you to fight for the true faith, and to hold tightly onto that which God has promised us for. Let baptism be the thing that has prepared you for a life living for Christ. And don't forget that there's a lot of young ones around you every day that probably you should be working on and preparing them for the battle that they will have ahead. And the things that you teach them from the book will, will last. Let's prepare not only ourselves, if that's necessary, but our children to fight in this battle. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the glorious salvation that you offer us. And we ask that you would uh, continue to make us strong, help us to stand up for your will and the way it should be done. We thank you for the example that Jesus provides us, telling us that it should be done, a symbol of repentance and forgiveness and turning away, washing away everything that the evil one tries to stick on us. Lord, I pray to you, that as your body, Jesus, as, as the church that serves you, that you will strengthen us, make us bold to do your will. In your son's name we pray, amen.